Hello, friends, and welcome to the podcast. This is episode 62 of the Questions Podcast. We're back with some real spiritual minty freshness and some... Cold-blooded love. There you are. You know, I've been thinking. Oh, did it hurt? It did. A dangerous pastime, I know. I know. We're practically essential business. Mostly essential business. In our own book, yes. 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 If I do say so myself, essential. There you go. It is our middle initial, E. That'll be our celebration album, Best Of. Because your middle initial is E, too. E, absolutely. I'm E, you're E. You're Elliot. Yep. All right. You're M-E-C and I'm M-E-D. There you go. There you go. Edward, right? Edward. After my dad, the chief. Yep. Elliot Hammer. And Edward Gomes. There you go. That's Those are our <laughs> code names. Yes. Those are the oh, pseudonyms man. that we have chosen. Mm. Yes. All righty. Yeah. Well, we're, we're kind of, this is almost like twice in one day because. <laughs> because it was twice in one day. Yeah. Because we had the, we had the live prayer podcast. That thing day. was so live. We had lots of fun with that. I didn't realize that you couldn't edit that because it's uh, live. There's no editing. It's, it's live, my friend. Oh, well. But so. you know what? You, you, you stayed Pretty much together. There was hardly I might have hopped any, the curb once or hardly twice. any editing. Let's be honest. Some people go to NASCAR to watch the racing. No. Some people go to NASCAR to watch the crashes. Yes. So we've got both camps. Right. There you go. Did you ever watch NASCAR? Uh, just to watch the crashes. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure we could get ourselves into trouble by speaking negatively in any way about NASCAR. But um, it just seems... It, it's all just left turns, right? It's just a little boring. Yeah, you know... Um, I, I became more interested in NASCAR. Really? After No, I mean, after watching the movie Cars. You know what? Cars is a great movie. I referenced that this weekend. Cars 2 yeah. was good. Cars 3, not so much. I haven't seen Cars 3 yet. Yeah, I think they kind of took it a little too far. It's a yeah? step too far. Yeah. Mm, they Just always wasn't do. quite wasn't quite as good. However, as um, sequels go... I've always really liked the uh, Toy Story sequels. I They've always done such that. a good job with those. Mm. The last one was like almost spiritual. There were some sad moments in the last yeah. one. Was there yeah. some Jesus overtones? Yeah, I think there was because he, I, I mean, we're not spoiling this. If you haven't seen it yet, you're probably not going to see it. No, they're under a rock. But yeah, um, he, he kind of, he gave up something. He sacrificed there something you go. for somebody else. Sacrificial love. And, and even sacrificed for someone who was doing something wrong to him. Wow. Woody, the sheriff Woody. He was very sacrificial. I yeah, I thought it was very well, well very well done. Hmm. Mm. I'll have to watch that one. To infinity and, and beyond. beyond. We used to have that sound effect on our little sound effect board here, but it's been replaced. So is the internet broken or something? Because In what way? I, I've been trying to watch, you know, like a movie at you home. You and six billion other people. Yeah. And like all of a sudden it starts stop it, you know, it stops, it starts it gets stopping. All jittery and you know. Uh, Major Nelson and Jeannie are there, and the sound is going, but they're frozen. Hmm. So hmm. that's not good. It kind of starts to get the shakes, like miles after he's fasted for a day and a half. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, the first two days of fasting are rough. Yeah. And I get a little cranky. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking cranky was the word I was coming up with, too, at cranky. first. At first. But after about four days, everything starts to smooth out. I mean, I can't hmm. imagine going 40 days. No, me neither. I think the longest I've ever done was six days. I, I mean, this a, isn't like a brag fast here because no. it's been a long time. You look at me. You I ain't fast. been fasting. Yeah. I could probably, I, I could probably go farther this time. Yeah, yeah, this is called the coronavirus feast, not yeah. the coronavirus fast. Mm. 
the Corona 15? No, it hasn't been that bad, actually. I'm very grateful that that hasn't happened. I lost a little weight. Yeah, you know, I actually, I, I was uh, social distancing from the scale. Yeah. And uh, I did check it out the other day, and yeah, it wasn't a problem. It's good. Hmm. Yeah, I, I probably need to start running again, though. I haven't been running this year. I ran in a half marathon at the end of that uh, last year. Yeah, I remember that. And then I, I basically just quit. I don't know why I did that, but I did. Did you get smoked by an old guy or something? No, but it was... So the, the first half marathon that I ran was like 15 years ago. And so it was a long time in between half marathons. Mm. Let me just say that this one w- was not quite as easy as the last one. Same distance. It's only 13.1 miles. Mm. But uh, yeah, I, I got to mile 12. So, I mean, you're almost there. You're 1.1 miles left. Yeah. And the course that I was on, right at mile 12, I think it was, you take this left turn and they they send you down to do this little loop i just wanted to keep going and just finish i wanted to skip that last little loop because i was not i was more not than happy. You, yeah you were done huh yeah it was like it was like two days three days before christmas oh ouch so someone asked me just a few weeks ago you think you're gonna run another half marathon i kind of went <laughs> probably not <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't your wife asking you. No, uh, okay. Right. My mind is not in half marathon land at the moment at all. I I bet you're in school land. Oh yeah, we're coming to the end of both my semester and the kids are almost done with school. They're counting down the days. And uh and I have um I have 3 more weeks of the four classes I'm doing right now. Awesome. And when are you done teaching? Uh same thing. My my class at the Bible College ends in 3 weeks too. Let my people go. Yeah. Although we're, we're, we're finally to the topic in my class at the Bible college. I really enjoy the next couple of weeks. We're talking about teaching and preaching the Bible, which I, mm. I have a tiny bit of experience. You've in. done a little of that. A little bit. Yeah. Just a little. I've been thinking about going pro like you normally. Yeah. Say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. 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 So, um, hopefully if, uh, you listeners were not with us for the special national day of prayer recording of the live video Questions podcast. It was kind of special. special. You could see us both. Very yeah. special. Um, you can find it at youtube.lifeandconnection.com. It's up on YouTube. There you go. Cool. Check it out. Hmm. Should we put the audio for that on the regular questions podcast podcast link? Probably could. Yeah, we could. I recorded it, so we got it. I mean, it was special. I thought it was special. Yeah. I got some, we got some good comments from people. People liked it. It's kind of crazy we could see who was actually watching. Yeah, I was, texting they were in. texting us. That was yeah, fun. It was really kind of cool. We got technology, man. We do have technology. Yeah. We have the technology. We can rebuild him. Oh, $6 million man. You I've never seen it. it, but I knew the reference. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like, you know, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Yeah, I think it was in reruns when I was a kid. Yeah, it was first run when I was a kid. I remember, you know, when, when I was a little kid and you'd stay home from school, there were a few shows that you'd see. Bob Ross. Oh, yeah. And then the Brady Bunch was always on. Oh, yeah. But that was in reruns, too, because I was, I was an 80s child at yeah. that point in time. Okay. And then, do you remember, I, I mean, they had Chips. Oh, Ponch and John. Yeah. Sure. But then they also had, like, a rescue one. Do you remember this one? Where it was, like, a little red fire engine. I don't remember what it was called. It was right around the same time as Chips. Oh, I don't know. They had uh, Squad 51. Yeah, I don't remember. Emergency? 
Emergency. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that was. You know yeah, what I'm talking that about? Was, oh yeah, that was legit. Yeah, they had the old school fire engines. Yeah, and uh, my firefighter son gets a kick out of those because they're so cheesy. Cheesy. Oh, absolutely cheesy. And, in fact, you know what was really awesome yeah. is the the blood in those was always like some super bright red, like red paint. Yeah, it just didn't look right. Yeah, and yeah. then my wife was a nurse in a yeah. hospital. Yeah, and so in the uh, emergency series. Yeah. There was this gal, I forget her name, her, but the name on the show, she was Dixie McCall. She was the uh, emergency room nurse that they would yes. call? Yeah. And she wore high heels the entire time. Of course she did. And did she have the nurse hat? She had the nurse hat and then this frosted the skirt, blonde hair, you know. But what was kind of funny was my wife was like, you wouldn't last an hour in those heels yeah. In the emergency room. No, you need the good the good nursing clogs. Yeah, exactly. For sure. The comfortable ones. Yeah. Anscos or something like that. I know yeah. we spent a lot of money on nursing clogs over the years. I bet you guys have. So But she doesn't wear those anymore. Now I think she just wears tennis shoes. Really? Some nice tennis shoes. Yeah. Nice. Yep, yep, yep. Preachers, wives, um, and know, sneakers. So, so yeah. you were married to Missy when she went through nursing school, right? No. So I mar we she graduated from nursing school in nineteen we have to see that. 80 man we're going back in time. yeah back in the 80, 87 because we got married in 87 okay so she basically graduated from nursing school and we got married uh right after that oh okay yeah uh, so like two months the reason i ask is when my wife graduated from nursing school did they give her your wife one of those goofy nursing hats oh, as a part? oh we yeah. still have it. and you yeah. have the little pinning ceremony oh that yeah was so funny. absolutely that was kind of i, I kind of i remember when that happened it was like are you ever gonna wear this hat because no, it's kind of cheesy no, it's just yeah. something you have. Yep, but it was special. Little pin. The pinning ceremony. Yeah, was very well, special. you earned it. It was legit. Oh yeah, we're still earning it. Nineteen eighty. Yeah, I was going to say, still making the payments. <laughs> we're still uh, earning it. Nineteen eighty-seven, uh -huh. Mount St. Mary's College. Uh, Andrea's. So, I was so, there. So Andrea did the LVN, then step up to RN, then Ooh. step up to BSN, yep. and now she's finishing becoming a family nurse practitioner. So we've been in school the entire time we've been married. Um, but yeah, it was. Grossmont College, Grossmont College, Grand Canyon University, and now Azusa Pacific. Wow. We're on the fast track, baby. Yeah. My, does Andrea like school? Andrea's a great student. My, see, my wife was a great student. Yeah. It's not fair to me. I, I was, I, I hated school. Well, I'm not sure school much like you, liked you. No, they were not giving me any invitations back, <laughs> you know? A lot I, of I wasn't a big fan of school either. In no. fact, I didn't go to college after high school because I was just over it. Yeah, done. Yeah, but I now get, school is getting its retribution. It's getting you back. Yeah, it's getting me back. Yeah, yeah. The funny thing is, is I used to help my kids with their college homework. Yeah, well, you're a smart guy. You got the you got the capacity in the brain there. Yeah, just make sure you wear that helmet when you're riding down them hills. You don't want to damage the brain. I want to keep just enough of my brain still to be dangerous. There you go. Yeah. Smart enough to be dangerous. Because we know that, you know, two half of brains like us almost equal a full Just one. about a whole one. Almost. We're, we're like, I think we're at 96%. Yeah. Yeah. Anything cool happened this week? It got hot. So that's the opposite of cool. Yeah, it did. I had, um, I had some yard work to do yesterday in 95 degrees. That was, that was rough. Man. But it got done. And then this morning, I wanted to beat the heat. So I got up this morning and I got this bank in the back of my house that needed some weed whacking. And uh, as I was putting on my clothes to go weed whack, I put on some shorts and I thought I should probably put on pants, but I thought, nah, it's too hot. So, so I wore shorts. How many rocks did you take <sighs> to your legs? Man, I, you know, and then what's the best part about this, this just shows the, the stupidity that is me. 
you know, I'm five minutes into weed whacking and uh, my, my legs are like being cheese grated by all the stuff that's flying at it. Oh yeah. And I had that thought, you know, you should just go put on jeans. It's like, no, no, I already started this. That's a man thing. Got to press through. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Don't stop for the safety just equipment. Got to press through. That's it. So you remember um, my uh, problem that I shared with you about, I got that water leak underneath my driveway yeah. in my house where the water's coming up through the expansion joint. Did you have to bring in our favorite plumbing technician? No, 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 no. So, oh, you didn't. Um, so one of the friendly members of our church came over to help me try to figure this out and start to dig around and figure some stuff out. And we found that it has nothing to do with the irrigation underneath the um, driveway, which is really good. Yeah. That would have been Cause now you don't have to expensive. take your driveway out. And, um, and whoever put in my irrigation before the driveway was in there, they wisely put the irrigation pipes through a big four inch. Oh, pipe a sleeve. Well, a sleeve. Oh, fantastic. Uh, but the, the water coming underneath the driveway was actually a broken sprinkler next to the driveway that was forcing water underneath. So, it's fixed. You got off easy. I got bro. off easy. It was only like a three dollar part. Oh, I love that one. I, I love that too. So, oh. so that was one of the outdoor jobs in the ninety five degree of heat of Sampasqual Valley yesterday. Mm. It's going to be a hot summer, I think. Yeah, a hot time in the old town tonight. Tonight. Yeah. Well, I I I don't have a pool, but I have a hose. I do have a pool. Yeah, it's getting some use right now. So I'll just jump the fence and jump in your pool. Yeah. Well, yeah. your mom's pool's much closer. Yes, it is. Um. Our kids, they, they went in the pool the other day. Our pool guy comes to put chemicals in the pool. Yeah. And uh, the kids were in the pool, and they must have been, like, lathered up with sunscreen like nothing else because they turned the water cloudy, like seriously cloudy. So my uh, pool guy shows up, and he goes, ooh, we're going to have to shock that. Well, that, that doesn't, doesn't sound, sound good. good. It doesn't sound good. That's what I oh, thought, Oh, man. Did it so involve he, electricity? Well, let me tell you. He got rid of the cloudy water uh -huh. pretty quick. It was imp impressive, whatever he put in there. I wouldn't want to drink that water, though, let me tell you. Yeah. But it, it got rid of the cloudiness. Man. Anyway, so um, shall we? I think let's light this candle. In, In the, the news, news, once again, we've been scouring the internet. For the important For news, news that has nothing to do with coronavirus. Or politics. Impossible. Possible. Not possible at all. However, I did come across this fascinating article written by a 13-year-old, nonetheless, in the New York Times. Apparently, the New York Times has desired, uh, decided that um, child labor laws don't count for them. So, uh, But anyways, I'm sure they didn't pay this person who gave this important op-ed at the New York Times. But the New York Times reports, this is the headline from 13-year-old Veronique Mintz. Why I am learning more with distance learning than I do in school. So um, so she goes on to describe in this article, and very well written for a 13-year-old, I think, that um, she's finding distance learning at home to be better than sitting in a classroom, and she's learning more. Are you surprised by this at all, Mark Childers? Not in the least. Yeah. So I, we, had, we did the homeschooling thing. Right. Not because we were terrified of society or anything like that. Right. Uh, one of my wife's lifelong ambitions like you know when little girls play games uh-huh she used to set up a school oh in her garage yeah she wanted to be a school teacher well there you go and so and her dad was a school teacher and so uh my wife's very smart she's great at this kind of stuff and so she says i that's what i want to do so that's what we did and we had a great experience with it 
and again, we weren't running away from anything, and we ended up sending our kids to a public high school, which was charter school, and Palomar College at the same time. But yeah, I've heard about that. That's a great plan. I, I feel like Our kids they, go they, to a public school. It's yeah, been great for us. Yeah. But, um, but I had asked my one of my children recently yeah. um, who misses school, Really, and I said. Well, what do you miss about school? Have that kid checked out. Well, no, but what do you think? What do you think she misses about school? Hanging out with her friends, right? Yeah. yeah, I get that. So, yeah, I mean, that's the big part of school that they enjoy. And um, and I was reading another article that is kind of similar to this, but a different age group. Um, it and and this kind of brings us to an important question that I think that even you and I have been talking mm-hmm. about, and that has to do with how does this whole situation that we are experiencing nationally. How does it affect things long-term? Like, what's it going to do for school? What's it going to do at the college level of school? But also, what's it going to do for a lot of businesses who now have their entire employee staff and a lot of corporate companies who are working from home? And how that's going to affect work going a little down the path in the future, even when there is no requirement to be at home because of social distancing and all that sort of stuff. Because they're finding that a lot of these people who are working at home end up being a little bit more productive. Well, I mean, let's think about this for a second. Huh. You do not have the commute. Yes. Uh, so you're not in a big hurry there. Um, you don't necessarily have to spend a lot of time picking out an outfit, even though you and I don't pick out an outfit. Check. Uh, you can eat a sensible breakfast, right? You don't, you're not in a rush. Check. Uh, and there's not a bunch of people interrupting you. I think that's the bigger issue. Yeah. There's not a whole bunch of people walking into your cubicle or your office interrupting you. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, I could totally see where that would really work for some people. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, this leads into another story that I came upon here. Uh, Will current college students continue school in the fall? It looks Hmm. like a lot of students are thinking, well, no. And then the challenge that all the schools are facing is uh, they still want to, because they got a lot of overhead, they still want to charge the same amount for classes that are going to be all online and at home. And a lot of students are like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. So interesting. Yeah, well, it, it's kind of, we've talked about this before, but to me, the whole education system, I think, needs some modernization because, yeah, I mean, we have obviously online colleges now, but I mean, why would I pay a professor to show up at work and give the same lecture every year around the same time? Um, hey, now. I know, but I, I mean, I'm a professor. I'm, I'm a, just thinking my business hat. Adjunct professor. Cold-blooded love here. Yeah. Why would you, when you could just have a video of that guy doing it? And right. so I think it could be run much more efficiently if that's your goal. In fact, I see in the future where the major corporations are going to take over uh, education. We kind of hope, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, like if you take a company like Apple. and Or Amazon. Could Amazon do education better than, say, Stanford? Yeah. But I, I'm just thinking Ouch. from an employer's yeah standpoint, um, if I'm Apple, and I want tech-minded people that have, you know, so Train they pass up. a test to see how what their aptitudes are, and they are taught what they need to know to work this, at This Apple. is the big question and, in the academic circles. That. The academic circles are trying to figure out how do you accredit this work for people who are... Because, I mean, you can learn a whole lot online. I mean, I have learned a ton through lynda.com and skillshare.com and YouTube, and it's like how to fix an, uh, you know, something on your car. Just watch YouTube. So I, I was, I three minute YouTube video. I fixed something on a Mercedes that would have cost us like six, $700. Yeah. It was an $80 part. 
It took me less than 10 minutes to do, yeah. the, do the thing. But I, so, I mean, that's going to be the question is how do you accredit some of these things? Because like Fortune magazine here is, mm -hmm. uh, they're reporting unimpressed by online classes, college students seek refunds, which is kind of like, okay, I understand that. And I'll, I'll be very, very candid. I mean, I've been in some college classes online um, that were, were terrible. It's like, and then there's some other ones that were good, but it's a very hard environment. I mean, my entire stuff has been online education and it's, it's challenging. And then I've had to switch all my uh, teaching at the Bible college from being in-person lecturing to being online. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it's a, it's a challenging step to make, I think for people that are in that field. But I mean, we've talked about this before, just you and me privately, you know, education is one of those markets that's going to be significantly disrupted in the next decade. Yeah. So I, I think there's going to be, this some might big, be propelling that. Yeah. Th I think there's going to be some big changes in education. Right. So uh, maybe for the good. Well, I hope so in the long run, I think yeah. probably. You know, we hey, we've seen some big changes in church. Yes, and some of it for the good and some maybe of it some of it is just challenging stinketh. and have to get get yeah. used to. Yeah. So, yeah. hmm. So, um, you know, the I, last several no times, news. well, hold on a yeah. second. The last several times that we've brought up news, you've had some very important like hollywoodpeople.com news. You don't have any things you want to add like you haven't heard about Yes, I, I have oh, one oh, very yeah, important. Yeah, some go. of our right, listeners good. maybe. Dog the Bounty Hunter. Dog the Bounty Hunter. Yeah. I remember him. He's I, got I, quite the mullet. Yeah, I've never seen his show. Business in the front. Party in the back. There yeah. I I but anyway, I guess he had a show. Yep. And I seen his show. He had a wife. He did. And his wife went to be with the Lord. Yes. Because I think did. she was a Christian. And so the latest gossip is that uh He's going to marry his girlfriend that he's only known 10 months. Or she's she hasn't been in the grave like 10 months or something like that. And so he's going to marry his girlfriend. And so I think the people were thinking that was too soon. I'm saying, I'm thinking that dog probably doesn't do so well alone. Well, he it is not good for a man to be alone. Yeah, yeah. He probably I mean, gets into imagine? all kinds of bounty hunter trouble. What happened if we had no adult supervision? I think we're seeing it right now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I had a, I had a, like about a half hour conversation with my doctor today. Yeah. On a visit, asking him health questions. Asking him? Asking him. Yeah. Oh, asking, asking, him. asking him. Asking him. And do you think that my wife is the one that wanted me to set up that appointment, or do you think I set up that oh, appointment? Oh, yeah. Uh huh. You know, she's trying to take care of me. I get You it. got voluntold. I got voluntold, exactly. Yeah. So, anyway, and I could, I could kind of sense that my doctor knew. Well, I mean, typically for a guy, it's like, He's, he's not going to a hospital until it's like something he can't fix with uh, duct tape. Right. Uh, when, when a guy gives... I mean, literally the duct tape thing. So I was like 12, uh -huh. riding around on my... So my dad, he had a Hobie cat, and we would go down to the bay, and he'd want to Hobie cats are fun. Yeah, they are fun. So one day we go to the Hobie cat. He's offloading the Hobie cat. I'm skating around on my rollerblades. Remember rollerblades? I do. So I had a little spill, and I come back, and I said, Dad, I think I broke my hand. And he goes, no, no, let me look at it. Can you move it? And yeah, you move it. Oh, yeah. He throws me a roll of duct tape. I'm not kidding you. Good man. Here, wrap it up with this. And so... Uh, There's magical powers in duct tape. Sure enough, went to the doctor the next day, and it was broken. What did the doctor think of your tape job? Well, I didn't really do the tape job. Oh. Yeah, I wasn't going to wrap my hand in, in duct tape. It's the, but that was definitely, you know, some... Some counsel from dad. Here, here's some duct tape. Just roll it up. I was a young carpenter, mm. uh, house remodeler guy. Uh-huh. Framer. 
Well, I was a framer, but I, we were remodeling houses, oh, okay. custom houses. So sometimes you're called to do a drywall patch. And I remember I was doing a bunch of drywall, and uh, I was like the last piece of drywall for the day. You're tired. And my thumb got over the line on the drywall square, and uh, I ran that knife over the end of my thumb. Ooh. And it was hanging there by very little meat, let's Ooh. just say. And, you know, being young and unmarried and uninsured at the time, because you can't die because you're young, right? So right. Um, I, I remember hosing it off in the sink in the house that we were working on, uh, putting a paper towel over it and taking some duct tape and duct taping it all back Worked together. And, you know, it and, and a prayer. We, we, were, yeah. we prayed over it. And it magically just glued back together. I still got my go. thumb. There you go. So there was a pretty good chunk of thumb that came off. I um, busted my head open here at the church on a good Friday about seven years ago, six, seven years ago, something like that. I was here then. Were you here then? And uh, I had one of our nursing friends come in and just stitch my head oh, up here in the office. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because I didn't want to go wait in urgent care for three hours. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Worked out perfect. Fantastic. No big deal. You know, there's a new challenge coming our way. Oh, well, uh, my dad, uh-huh. um, he needs a haircut. Yes. So he got. I, I, you know, I got a pair of clippers. I'm thinking of just, just going for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I'm gonna cut his hair. I think this week. You're gonna cut his hair. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a. You shot. know, uh, I used to shape surfboards. Pastor, hold on, Pastor Nick has a Floby. Ooh. You should borrow the Floby. You think so? I think he'd let you do it. Yeah. yeah check it out. Check it out. I'm pretty sure he has one. Yeah. Do you like, remember that? Oh, yeah. Do you remember Wayne's World? It sucks yep. and it cuts. Yeah, exactly. It suck cut. I'm thinking, um, I'm, I just remember back when I was a kid, they had the Fuzzy Pumper Barber Shop. I don't know what that is. It's a Play-Doh thing. Okay. And you, you and it would squeeze, squeeze the, the handle and, and hair would come out of the head. And just, like, it. just like yeah. Ed Childers. There you go. A chief with this, he's going <laughs> to, it's going to be great. Oh yeah, I bet. I can't. I want before and after pictures. I am going to take a picture. Okay, you know before what? and after. I'm going to be. I'm you gonna, might find yourself a new career after all. I'll be like the Jose A. Bear of uh, Cross Connection Church. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Because they can't throw me in jail for cutting other people's hair. So next week in the news will be. Yeah. The haircut. Okay. Well, we had dog, the again, we had dog, dog the bounty hunter. There you go. Come on. All right. Well, um, shall we look at some questions well we have inquiring minds we they do, want to know we do so uh, really oh i forgot to tell you one of our loyal li- listeners <laughs> in response to something we said last week what did we say well our our loyal listener dorothy oh no she told me when i gave her call the other day just she how said doing. first of all she said mishugana you're gonna like this okay i will never eat spam exclamation point that was one part oh Second part, spam is for goyim. Wow. That's from the Jewish grandma. That was a slur. Well, that's for us. Yeah. And then she told me that she used to make fruitcake and she kind of liked it. Because we talked about spam and fruitcake last week. So just kind of throwing those in. Wow. I think we should spam her. Yep. Yeah. And then I was talking with someone else the other day who, who told me that our podcast is like spiritual moonshine. Whoa! Like it's like a hundred proof. You might go blind. (laughs) It's like a hundred proof. That's kind of what I was told. Wow! So that's that's the new. 
Maybe that should be a we'll um, work put onto the sure. ratings on the, on the questions podcast. Yeah. This podcast is a hundred proof. It's like spiritual moonshine. Oh gosh. Yeah. I thought you might like that. Monkey shine. Okay. All right. Number one. Doesn't scripture say that no one knows when Jesus is coming back? Question mark. Does Jesus know when he is coming back? Wow. I believe that is actually answered directly in scripture. Yeah. Well, Jesus does say. No man knows the day or the hour. That's right. Only the Father knows. But of the day and the day or the hour, no one knows, says Mark 13, 32. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So that's a pretty emphatic statement from Jesus. The words are in red. They're the words that Jesus said. You know, um, 62 podcasts in? Yes. That is probably the quickest, most concise answer we've given to anything. I think that all of our listeners would agree. That so it was a great question. That's a that's a good one. The day and the, so so you have the verse reference Mark thirteen thirty two. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son of Man, but only the Father. And then, um, as Jesus was preparing to launch like SpaceX rocket back into space, back into heaven, Air Jordan style. That's not exactly how yeah. it was, but that's Air my Jesus. own that's my own little yeah. take on that whole thing. In Acts chapter 1, his disciples ask him the pressing question, will you now restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's nope. not for you to know the exactly. times which the Father has put under his own authority. None your business. And then he says, but you get to work. You're going to be witnesses of yeah. me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. Go make so, some disciples, boys there you go. and girls. Get her, get her done. Get her done. Get her done. Move. Come on now. Don't I'll be tell sitting you there what. asking no crazy question. I'll you tell go you out what, there, get her done. Get her done. Put on your boots, get out there in the swamp, make some disciples. Number hmm. two. All right, numero dos. Was Goliath possibly related to the giant Zamzumin? Zamzumin. Zamzumin. Zamzumin sounds like a bad dude. Zamzumin. Wow. So, um... This comes right out of Deuteronomy chapter 2 where we were last Sunday because the Ammonites and the people of Esau, they had expelled the giants that were in the land that the children of Israel had been afraid of that kept them out of going into the promised land. And so we read about the Zamzumim. Um, the it's, Amorites call them the Zamzumim. So the Zamzumim were was kind of the Amoritish name, if you will. Amoritish? That's what Ooh, I said, Amoritish. I, like I made that. that up on the fly. You like that? I like that. It's probably the right way to say it, too. Mm. Probably. Ish. You know, you throw those things out here and there. If, if you say it with enough confidence, people think, he knows exactly what he's talking about. Fake it till you make it, yeah. The Amoritish name for the giants in that time, about 3,400 years ago, was Zamzumim. Wow, now you sound like you really know what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Right. Your Edu- IQ educated, just went up 20 points. Educated in, at Oxford. Hmm. Not. Uh, yeah, so the Zamzamine. <laughs> Here, here's, let's go the other way. That old, the old Zamzamine people, they're big and like the National Basketball Association. Oh, here you go. Yeah. Was Goliath possibly related to the giant Zamzamine? Uh, well, probably not, but there were giants in that land at that time. Uh, Goliath was from Gath which is a coastal city mm-hmm. uh, he was along a beach the Mediterranean. Right? Yeah. He, was a, he was a beach-going giant. Yeah. Right. And uh, so Goliath giant, was of yeah. Gath. Um, so, yeah. So probably not. I'm, I mean, I could be wrong, but probably not. Hmm. Okay. But Zamzumim was just the name, the Amorite-ish name for the giants. Wow. And there was other names, Anakim, 
Remember the the ones in Genesis six? Yeah, the Nephilim. 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 Yeah. Some people think that those were half angel, half man. What say I, I you, think, Mark? I think Chuck Mitzler would say that. Well, I don't think only Chuck Mitzler. I no, think I there's know. a good possibility. There's, yeah, because I think our friend David Guzik thinks that. Pretty really? sure. And I kind of lean that well, way the too. The sons of there was a the the sons, sons of, of God. A, yeah, and the daughters of men. Yeah. Hmm. Ben Elohim, the sons of God. Sounds like some monkey business going. It does, and it hmm. brought about a big old flood. Big old, yeah. It does. God said to Noah to build up an arky arky. Death and destruction and flooding. They got a sprinkler in the driveway. Went crazy. Man, I think we had one too many Red Bulls today. There you go. All so, right. um, yeah. So we answered that too. I say so. All right. Flying number three. You mentioned in your message on Second John. Say it like the Brits. Oh, two John. You mentioned in your message on two John. Two John. That two John was written from Ephesus. From Ephesus. What city was it written to? From Ephesus to Ephesus. It doesn't say what city it was written. It's to. like an ecclesiastical question, and I'm not exactly sure. I'm just using my memory, which is rusty at the moment. I'm not exactly sure that Second John specifically says it was written from Ephesus. This is by deduction, because we believe that John spent the latter, the latter days of his life in Ephesus, mm. and uh, that is what church tradition holds and has for a very, very long time. And so it is likely that John's final letters, first one, two, and three John, were written from Ephesus. So who was it written to? Well, it wasn't necessarily written to a city. It was written to some people. And if I remember that Second John talks about um, to the elect lady, I think is who it's being written to. And some people believe that that is being written to the church and that the elect lady is um, a reference to the church. So it's and not, a coded it's not language. Mrs. President then. No, it's like a... It's like written in coded language. This some people believe this. You know, it's it's not for sure, but very, very secret squirrel stuff. Right, and then so the third John was written to Gaius. Yeah, and we don't know who Gaius was either, but probably from Ephesus because church tradition hold, church tradition holds that John was there, hmm. and and church tradition also holds that someone else was there with John, some very 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 special lady, Mary. The mother of Jesus. Oh. That's what church tradition holds. Hmm. Because remember when Jesus was on the cross and John was there with Mary. Yeah. Take care of her. Yeah. Wow. From that time, John took her into his home. He took care of her. Jesus being a good son? Looking out for mom. There you Which, go. Which, in fact, this Sunday's a big day. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Mother's Day. Yes. Sunday. Dia de la Madre. So, even Jesus looked out for mom. There you go. Yep. Taking so, care of her welfare. Are you looking out after mom, Miles? I, I'm the one of her five children that lives the closest. So I think probably we are elected to take care of the elect lady. You should probably do something amazing. I try. Okay. All right. Um, so we answered that. Yes. Okay. We're um, flying through these. Number four. It's crazy. I, I'm probably going to get a speed burn here. Um, who are those in the great cloud of witnesses uh, in Hebrews 12? Hebrews 12 says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily ensnare us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Who are the great cloud of witnesses? So is that like an expression? We're like, wow, there's a whole bunch of them there. 
in context. There was a whole mess of witnesses. Absolutely. That's what in it was. Okay. Context. All right. Because there there was no Hebrews 10, Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12 in the original writing of this. It was just one letter. In context, I would suggest the great cloud of witnesses are the great saints of old that are mentioned in Hebrews 11, the Hall of Faith. Oh, so they were cloudy. Yeah. Kind of. So he yeah. so the author of the book of Hebrews talks about all these very important people like Enoch and Abraham and Moses and Sarah and all these great men and women of faith, the patriarchs of old throughout Hebrews chapter 11 who gained a good testimony by faith, so we call it the Hall of Faith. And then it rolls right into Hebrews chapter 12 and says, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of all these great witnesses, then let's run. Let's, let's be faithful like they were faithful. Mm. Boom. Done. Man, I think we got through four questions. In less than an hour. That's no, amazing. in less than like five minutes, which normally takes us an hour. Wow. So, okay, okay, now well, on to the next question. Let's not throw anything out of let's joint, this. patting let's ourselves this. on the back. Let's go. Yeah, we got yeah, this. Okay, right. here we go. Number five. This is a big question. Oh, it is. Yes. Multi-sentence. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. Ooh. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. 1 Corinthians 15.51. Does this happen with our bodies as well? I've never thought hard about it, but I'm assuming our bodies will be changed as well. Now, would this be where we get our new bodies? I'll end that because there's another question. Okay. Um, I mean, it's hard for me to improve on this body here. This thing has really worked out well for me. I'm looking forward to my glorified body. Yeah. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15.50 says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So this body, as we know it, mm-hmm. cannot be in the presence of God in his kingdom, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I've heard that some nurseries at churches put that on the wall. We shall not <laughs> all sleep, but we shall, we shall all, be, all changed. be changed. Okay, so yeah. behold, I tell you a mystery. Uh, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment and twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we, the ones who are still alive, shall be changed. Greek word is mesom- metamorphoso. Metamorpho- mm. oh. So it's a metamorphosis that takes place. Like a precious little butterfly. Butterfly, right, mm. right, right. And so we, I do believe that we will be changed in some sort of mighty transformation. Uh, Paul talks about this also in Philippians where he talks about God's ability and power to transform this lowly body that it shall be like unto his glorious body. And I believe that's at the end of Philippians chapter three. So the general view on this is that at the time when the Lord gathers his people to himself, there's different opinions about when this will happen, but this precedes his coming to the earth and the second coming that we will be gathered to him in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and we shall be transformed, probably to take on a different form of a body like he did post-resurrection. He had some sort of glorified mm. body. That is the general kind of view I, on this. Mm, I'll be looking like Fabio. No, you won't. I'll be fabulous. No, he's he's definitely not your doppelganger. You don't for, think so? For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal That's must true. Put he's on kind of corrupt. He's got yeah. bad hair. Right. I never liked yeah. Fabio's hair. I Yeah. Anyways... So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, this guy couldn't even immortality. He he, he couldn't even find a shirt to fit him, Fabio. I felt bad for him. They don't make shirts that fit those muscles, man. No, those are big muscles. Oh, okay. Because like the upper buttons never worked. I don't know. I think that was on purpose. Okay. So Mm. uh, yeah, 
I, I think this answered the question. Yeah, I didn't. I got kind of sidelined by Sorry, Fabio. Too, too much Fabio. Okay. Too much Fabio. You answered the question. Well, that part. Yeah. But the hardest part of the question is oh, coming up. Oh, this is, yeah, I forgot this was a big yeah, two-part. You, oh, sure, you forgot. I got my air quotes up. All right. All right, here we go. This there is the go. hard part. All right. And what would happen with our dog? If this were to happen, would God just leave our animals to fend for themselves? Question mark. If we care so much about our pets, why wouldn't God care even more to care for them in this event? All right, let me just make the observation that this question assumes a certain eschatological position. The rapture. It, well, it assumes a certain timing. Correct. So it assumes a certain view on the rapture that would say that seven years prior to the second coming of Jesus, there will be the rapture of the church. And, and we that call that a pre-tribulation? A pre-tribulational rapture. rapture. Yes. And then there are several other views, some you know, mediating positions. There's a mid-tribulation rapture, which yep. is in the middle. On the fence, I'll say. Yeah. Then there's the pre-wrath view of the rapture mm-hmm. that comes somewhere in the last three and a half years of the tribulation. And then there's the post-tribulation rapture where the gathering of God's people comes immediately preceding his return to the earth. So if you hold one of those, three of those four positions, then it would appear that for some period of time, other people are left behind. The See left what I behind. did there? There yeah. you go. That was uh, amazing. Yeah. Subtle. Mm, very. Yeah. So left behind for a period of time, maybe seven years, maybe three and a half years, maybe a little bit less, 24 months. I have no idea, but some period of time. So the question here assumes um, a, a pre-trib or a mid-trib rapture, and it assumes that the dog uh, will be left behind. Apparently, it's not a believing dog. Now, my dog... I'm dog pretty is going sure. To my dog, I preach the gospel to every creature, just like Mark chapter 13 or 16, 15 says. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That includes little Jack, my little dog. And uh, Jack follows me very well. And as I'm imitating God as a dear child, Jack's following me. So he's imitating me. I think Jack's a believer. Obviously not. Um, so. <laughs> You know, Chuck said, "No, where the Bible is silent, silent. Uh, I I will be also." Yeah. Um, so, will dogs be left behind? Well, there's nothing in the Bible that says about dogs going to heaven. Uh, Disney says all dogs go to heaven or, or hell. Yeah. I mean, there's no no. That's scripture. not to say. I there, I think that there's very good likelihood you're going to have animals. I this this brings about an issue, an important issue. We, we you know we did that series on hell all those years ago. Probably need to do a series on heaven. Because I, I think Christians have a lot of misconceptions and bad understandings of the final state, shall we say. Yes. The final state for us who believe in the Lord is not to be in some floaty place called heaven. Floaty? No, we're going to be on a renewed or a new earth. New heavens, new earth, he's going to make. It's going to be as tangible and more substantive than what we now experience. And there will be animals. Well, that, I think that'll be a really good series because yeah. I know, like my dad. Yes. One of the questions he asked me, mm-hmm. as you know, as a guy who's in church most of the time, he had asked me at one time about you know all the timing of this, and I'm like, I had a really big long explanation, and what we actually got down to was he wanted to know if we could stash some fishing rods. Oh, for the 
Yeah, for when we come back to the earth, and and so we would have some good gear. Huh. I thought, hmm. I think you should tell him that the fishing gear and the new heaven and new earth is going to far surpass anything you could get here. Yeah, so we don't need any of that old Christ I I don't think we need that sort of stuff. And listen. The purged earth will not contain my 500s. At least four of Jesus' 12 disciples. We're fishermen. Right. 30%. I've got a theory about that. They're fishermen. So I think that your dad's going to be in good company. I think he's going to know some, yeah. They're going to tell sea stories. Well, let me tell you, those guys had some sea stories. They did. They did. So. And they had some whopper fish stories too. Well, I like the way they count them. 153, baby. Yeah. Yeah. 153. 153. All right. So I think we did a great job of not answering that question. All dogs... Do not go to heaven. Well, we don't know that we can tell from the Bible. We don't know. But if, if, you're, not, if you need your Bible in heaven, if heaven's not going to be heavenly without your dog, I guess your dog will be there. Yeah. Jack's a believer. You think so? Huh? He's following your, he, by the Holy Spirit. He sees the Holy Spirit in you. He's a good follower. And he's following you around. Okay. Walter, not so much. I, I don't have a dog. So, yeah. All right. Any more? Mm. Number six. Okay. Number six. In point two, you said God will allow you to long jealously Ooh. for the life and possession of others to provoke you to move into the life he desires for you. How is that possible if jealousy is sinful? Right. Okay, this does bring up a very important topic on the, the discussion of jealousy. Semantics. We have to remember right. semantics and Cause, nomenclature. Because jealousy is a, is a challenging thing to consider because the Bible does reveal God is a jealous God. Yeah. I heard this clip years ago with Oprah Winfrey and she was describing, did you know that Oprah Winfrey was brought up in like a pretty strong Baptist church? Yeah. She also though did a book called the gospel according to Oprah. Yeah. I don't know about that one, but I do know that it's not um, in our library, but I do know in this clip that someone sent to me years ago from Oprah that she basically described when she decided that church wasn't for her. Really? And she was talking about a preacher talking about God being a jealous God. And it kind of rubbed her the wrong way. She didn't like that. Hmm. And she said in this clip, which I'm sure someone could find online if they started searching around. I'm paraphrasing Oprah. Oprah basically said, that just doesn't make sense to me. You know, why would God be jealous of me? That's, he, he just can't really be much of a God if he's jealous of me, which I agree with. I agree with that statement. Yeah. But, but it's a wrong reading of the scriptures. Yeah, because not God is not close. jealous of us. Of, no, for jealous us. for us, right? Jealous for us. Uh, that's a minor deviation from this whole question here. So um, the question is asking here: How is it possible if jealousy is sinful? Now, I did mention in the message going on immediately after this when I made this point because I made this point on purpose to be provocative. I knew you were starting something. Yeah, I'm sure you've you, never known me to be like that. You get this little eye twinkle. This little twinkling of the eye thing going on, like, in the moment in the twinkling he, of the eye. He's, he pulled the pin out of the grenade. He's getting ready to throw it. Right, yeah. And I, well, so I, it's I a made nice this feeling, point, I know. I made this point to purposefully be provocative, and I knew that it might provoke a question. A question. I anticipated that. And I knew that someone would say, they would hear me say this, and they go, oh, that's crazy. God would never be okay with us being provoked to jealousy because mm. jealousy is wrong. That's exactly what I so, thought. Pastor gone plum loco talking say, about someone, jealousy. Someone clearly said that. Nice. And so... Um, Maybe Boudreaux sent this in. He probably did. Yeah. 
So um, jealousy as an outgrowth of covetousness is a very bad thing. And we're going to talk about that when we get to Deuteronomy chapter, I believe it's five, because in Deuteronomy chapter five, we have the big 10, the 10 commandments. And the 10th commandment is thou shall not covet thy neighbor's yeah. wife or anything that is your neighbor. So covetousness, jealousy from covetousness, coveting after and for the things that your neighbor has is forbidden in the scriptures. Keeping up with the Joneses. But I also referenced in my message on Sunday a passage of scripture that Paul the Apostle references in the New Testament book of Romans when talking about a ministry of jealousy that we have. Yeah. You and I have the ministry of jealousy. Yep. That God desires that our lives being blessed by him with the salvation that he's given and everything that we have in Christ should provoke other people to jealousy, that they should want what we have. And so Paul takes that thinking from Deuteronomy 32, 21, where God says that Israel, my people, have provoked me to jealousy by what is not God because they were worshiping idols. They've moved me to anger by their foolish idols. So I will provoke them to jealousy by those who are not a nation, and I will move them to anger by a foolish nation. So God provokes these people to move into what he ultimately wants them to move into by provoking in them jealousy, which may seem strange to us, but that's what he describes to do. So we have to kind of wrestle with these two competing things. I, Covetousness I actually, is wrong. I have a story. I've seen it firsthand. Wonderful. I want to hear it. Um, so, uh, it, it was kind of a cool, I, it, I was part of this, but it was not, I was not there directly for this, but, um, in the city of Ariel in Israel, uh, settled by most, I heard it's a gated community. It is a gated community that, that we've talked about that. Uh, but the mayor at the time was Re- mayor Ron Nachman and, uh, he was a Russian Jew and most of the Jews in, uh, most of the people in uh, that area were Russian Jews from Odessa. Most of them came in, uh, immigrated to Israel, uh, and they built a city. Odessa, Texas? No, not not, not that, that holy one. land, the other holy right. land. But it was interesting because as we got to be in a friendship with this mayor, and we did nice things for that city, and we did an exchange program with the students and things like that. Um, but as he got to know us as a church and see us worship and teach and be Christians, um, he made the statement to my pastor at the time, Ray Bentley, and Ron said in a very, very candid moment, he says, I am jealous for the relationship that you have with my God. Yeah. And it was a very telling, that scripture came alive for me at that moment, listening to that. And I think I think it's a very 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 practical thing that, yeah. uh, particularly if you're talking about um, the Israelites or the modern day the, the Jews. Interesting that Israel. you bring that yeah. story up because I have a similar story. Really? Do you remember Pastor Chuck Butler? Yes. Chuck Butler was uh, pastor of Calvary Chapel San Marcos, and he was from Maranatha Chapel. He was the worship leader down there. That's right. That's right. And and um, so Chuck was telling me because Chuck was the well, chaplain. and Horizon. Sorry, yeah. Chuck was the chaplain, the hospital chaplain, for yes. many, many years at my wife's hospital, um, mm-hmm. Scripps and Encinitas. Oh, cool. He's no longer there. But he was telling me years ago about a time that he was called in uh, with a family. Uh, they have a family member. Grandpa is in the ICU, and they're going to unplug him from life support. And um, so Chuck was there 
as a representative of God, chaplain. And when you're in a context like that, whether you're a law enforcement chaplain or a fire chaplain or a hospital chaplain, you're a multi-faith, you know, chaplain. Right, you, you, yeah. So, um, so he's there, and it's a Jewish family and a very, you know, devoutly religious Jewish family, and they're going to unplug grandpa. And they're very, obviously, very sad and broken about this. And so Chuck is there just to minister to the people, to the right. family, be spiritual care. And they invited uh, Chuck to pray with them. And so they said, Chaplain, would you be willing to lead us in prayer? And so, you know, he, he knew. He's trying to be sensitive to the fact that this is a very devoutly Jewish family. I'm here to minister to them as best as I can. Mm -hmm. So he's not going to be very flamboyant in the name of Jesus, you know, no. which I know would freak he's some gonna people be out. Talking he's going to be the, gracious. Yeah, he's going to be talking about the guide of, God of a so I, Abraham and father. Isaac. He and, talks yeah. to God the Father. This yeah. When he's done praying, he, he was telling me that he, he said, amen, and opened his eyes, and they are all in tears crying. And he thought, oh, no, did I You messed that I up, buddy. Them? Yeah. Yeah. And so he apologetically, you know, I, I'm very sorry, have I offended you? And they all told him no, but they were just so amazed because you, you talk to God as if you have a relationship with him. Wow. Very similar thing. Yeah. So, Because a lot of the prayers that they pray are rote prayers that they are reading from Hebrew prayer book. And right. so it's and they're not little, just they're that. a little standoffish and impersonal yeah, at times. A lot of times, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That's a um, But that that is a ministry of jealousy. So I like to say, yeah, sometimes we have the ministry of jealousy as Christians. We move other people to jealousy when they see the peace that we have, the hope that we have, the joy that we have. I believe it's um is it Matthew five sixteen, let your light so shine before men, that men they may seeing see your, your good, good works, works and give glorify glory to your, your Father, Father in heaven. heaven. Amen. Yeah. That's something I share at every wedding. Yeah. That hopefully our marriages, our relationships are keep the fire burning. Well, there's that. Yeah. Holy, oh, I, I didn't know where you were going with that. That's holy smokes. Oh, right, uh, right, chapter right. three, verse two. Uh, yeah. uh, but no. Uh, Pure fire, baby. Yeah, there you go. Groovy, baby. We're going to get ourselves in a trouble. Yeah. Um, no, but. What did they say? Uh, this podcast was like a hundred proof spiritual moonshine. Exactly. Yeah. Mostly essential business. Zamzamim. Yeah. You talk about some essential business. Anyway. Uh, no, just that our, I pray that our relationships, our marriage relationships in particular, people would see how we get along with one another, how we treat one another, uh, respectfully, joyfully, kind of trying to outdo one another for loving the other and know that God was somehow mixed up in that because it has to be more than two just compatible beings. Our relationship should show that. So that's one of the things. And just doing great stuff. We have some great people at this church that are real lights in the community. I'm very thankful for that. So This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, shine let, let it shine. shine. All right. Um, so, no, there are some types of jealousy that are not sinful. Just like there's types of anger mm. that are not sinful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Uh, number seven. I feel like I've been, quotes, Meandering aimlessly. That was part of point one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like that. Uh, what do I need to do to not keep doing that? Mark? Stop it. Stop it. Yeah. Just stop. Stop it. Yeah. My or favorite I'll Bob Bury you alive in a box. Yes. <laughs> you know, when... Our, 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 I, <laughs> Does that come up in your household often? What? With your spouse? 
Stop it. My wife and I will joke about I'll be Oh yeah, we yeah, we joke about share with yeah, something yeah, the Stop it. So just I'll bury you alive in a box. Let's just be real honest. I'm sure that's going to well, or somebody No, head, another one that comes out. up at my house is it's not about the nail. Oh yeah, that's a great yeah, one. Yeah. You know, so, if you're listening to this and you have no idea what these references just are, if you just Google, it's not yeah, about the nail YouTube. or yeah. stop it and is it Bob Newhart? Bob Newhart. Bob Newhart. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll you'll understand. Every pastor loves both of those videos. Yes. But you know, at, at probably your house too. Pastors houses are different. They can be a little weird. Like my kids grew up uh doing Chuck Smith impersonations at the table. I mean, uh, whose kids do that? Glorious. Yeah, my my kids go, "Oh, Pass the salt, mother. Turn in your Bibles. Yeah. Okay, uh, these vegetables know, were I was exemplary. Down, I was down at South Coast the other day. Yeah. Uh, Huntington is going off there at the wedge. Oh, right. We're going to get oh. rid of the midweek Bible study so we can go and surf. Uh, get a haircut, hippie. <laughs> yeah. No, just, yeah. So my kids, yeah, would do all Okay, meandering aimlessly. Yes, uh, but, the point, uh, uh, the point. That's God what we were just doing. We were meandering aimlessly. You to meander aim- that was aimlessly so that he may accomplish his ultimate answer. So, um, yeah. So you have an answer on this, how, well, I, how not to do that anymore? Well, I, I guess it means what part of your life. So spiritually, um, you know, what, what are we talking? It would be great if I had a little more context. Yeah, I don't know. This was this was the question. I mean, the point from point one was God will allow you to meander aimlessly so that he may accomplish his ultimate ends. And so I think in the oh, context okay. of what I was saying in the message oh. was that he allowed Israel to meander in the wilderness for 38 years to finally accomplish his, his ends. Right. But they want to they, 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 they want to stop doing that. So I think I think let's see. Give that this person was sitting in my office. If they were sitting in your office and they they realize they come to the realization that I've just been like wasting. I'm 38 years old. Okay, you know, they've been in the wilderness 38 years. Okay, they've wasted a whole bunch of time. Mm-hmm. They they're having that somewhat of a what was once upon a time referred to as a midlife crisis. The aha moment. They're realizing I'm not where I should be or thought I would be, and I don't know how to get moving. What say you? Okay, now I think this is a good, maybe even a COVID-19 apocalypse thing. Because we have a chance right now. See, I see opportunity in all this. We have a chance to hit the reset button on everything in our lives for the most part. Some of us do. Like, we have time. And so, because a lot of people are like unemployed, so you don't have to worry about losing your job. So, take that off the list. Um, I think if you're going to hit the reset button on your life, so to speak, and want to stop meandering, I think, first of all, you need to pray and look at the way you've been making decisions. And I think people who meander tend to be people that not, they don't make great decisions. The decisions are typically based on emotion, uh, you know, kind of the flip open the page in your Bible, put your thumb in it. Okay, that's where I'm supposed to read today. That type of an attitude, I think, in people's lives. I see that a lot. Or people never seem to get anywhere because they're always resetting and resetting and resetting. So I think it would be good to seek wise counsel yep. in a particular area. So talk to somebody who not only is a Christian, but somebody who has obvious direction in their life and has accomplished much in the kingdom. I think that's a good one. A lot of times that's your pastor or one of your pastors. Or one that, of the elders at the church. Yeah, that, ab- absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then I think a part of that is like let's say it's a career thing or a uh-huh. relationship thing, 
be real specific about that. And it's good to know what your gifts and talents are. I think a lot of times people spend time in what they want to be rather than what they're actually good at and right. equipped to do. And that's, that's a, that's a, I mean, I finally gave up on the ballerina dream. You know, it's just not me. Someday, Mark. My someday. male, my male modeling Your career. glorified body. Didn't take off. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think prayer is a big part of this. Every morning going to the Lord. And if we ask for something, he will give it to us as far as a good thing. So asking for direction, uh, for him to open doors, uh, to lead us where we can't see and we uh, do not have the wisdom. I think asking that of the Lord is a great way in humbleness to uh, move forward. I once had a, so I had a, a, I was a high school pastor, but I also dealt with the administration of the church. And I had a mom come to me. One of her children were in my uh, junior high, high school, one of the two, I forget. Um, and she came to me and she said, I have a significant am- amount of money that I've just inherited. Mm. And I said, okay. And she says, I'm told you're pretty good with money. So what should I do? And I said, okay, come on in, bring your burn rate with you. All the things yep. you spend money on right. all these other things. Uh, I need to know how much money you have, all those things. Cause we got to consider your retirement and that. And then as part of that, I brought in one of our accounting people because they were a CPA. I really wanted to help her. And one of the keys to this was she flat out said, I'm not really good with money. I'm dumb when it comes As to she's money. She's acknowledging truth. Yes. That's good. She acknowledged truth. Right. And I didn't have a lot of, well, uh, what about this and what about that? You know, a lot of any, you know, nothing pompous or prideful to deal with. And I'll tell you, we spent a lot of time with her because she was not prideful. She really wanted to get to the bottom of this. And then she was committed to the program that we put her on because her thing was is she's a very good-hearted person, but people would just hit her up for money and things like that. And she needed a plan for her retirement. She felt like that was... So we set her up on that program and it was done. And I thought, okay, well, I hope she she did that. You know, I ran into her years later uh, because she was tired of meandering, so to speak. And I was thinking, oh, she probably, you know, good-hearted person. She probably blew it, you know, but I want to believe that she did good. And I, I just asked her, I goes, so how did, how did, how are you doing with all that stuff? And she told us, she goes, that is the best thing I ever did. I stuck to that program, and boy, it sure worked out. That was right. the best piece. And I thought, wow, fantastic. Yeah. You know? I, um, you know, in looking at this question, mm-hmm. a couple different scenarios come to mind. I'm thinking of the person who... You know, let's say they're in their late 20s and they're kind of coming to a realization that, you know, I'm not where I envisioned myself being at this point in time. Or I'm thinking of the person who 10 years later, they're 38. Yeah. And they're coming to that realization. Uh, Better to come to that realization at 28 than 38. Yes. And to get an aim. After 10 years of ballerina school? Yeah, it, it, it's important to have an aim and to move in that direction and to come up with a plan like what you're talking yeah. about with the help of wise people. Yes. And when I say wise, I mean people who have made repeatedly good decisions that have led them in a good path. So generally speaking, this is going to be someone who's a little bit further along in life than you are. And they have made made the way down a path that has been good. 
Right, and if I can interrupt you on that, we're right. talking track record. We're right. not talking right. about somebody who can talk yeah. a lot about no. something. or just have track money. Record. Someone who, you know, yeah. you can look Show at their Show me the and money. And, yeah. and I'm not necessarily talking about a rich or wealthy person here. I'm right. talking about a person who has done a really good job of, you know, building a family. Raising their kids. Yes. Yeah, getting along with their husband or wife. Yeah. Uh, not, not in massive debt. Yeah. You know, taking then, care of their, you know, their family, all those sort of things. So that's what I'm thinking of here. But if, if you have no aim, you will walk aimlessly and meander. So you got to have an aim. And that aim, it needs to be something that you are geared for, you're gifted for, that you have the talent and the desire for. And because I'm thinking of another scenario, and I've seen this. I've, you may have had this kind of counseling appointment before too. I've talked with some people who are in their late 20s, and they have spent the last eight years or so, 10 years, going through a school program right. that they got kind of set on a track for mm-hmm. at, by somebody else. Someone else, maybe a parent or a counselor or someone in their life said, you should move in this direction. And then they get down the road and they've got literally, at this point in time, this is not abnormal, $120,000, $160,000 in student loan right. debt. And a degree that, number one, is for a career that they're actually not even interested in. Right. And number two is a career that's not in high demand or cannot pay the bills for $160,000 in debt. And this is incredibly unfortunate. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that people are not getting wise counsel when they are in their younger years and picking an aim and moving in that direction toward that aim. So um, you will find yourself at 38 having meandered aimlessly and feeling pretty depressed if you did not choose an aim and start moving in that direction. Like I think of your son, Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Wyatt had a desire when he was how old to be a firefighter? 17. 17 years old. Yeah. And he worked his butt off to become a volunteer firefighter. Correct. And then to put himself through school to become all the things that he needed he was to a become a firefighter. Yeah. The, yeah. He took every opportunity that was right. afforded to him. And now he's how old? Uh, 31. 31. He's an engineer in yeah. a fire department. Studying Santa to be a captain. Yeah. yeah, getting ready to be captain. I mean, and that, that is the kind of aim I'm talking about. Now, unfortunately, and I, and I just keep thinking about this question. I, I have to think this question, in my mind, comes from a guy. That, that's kind of my thinking on this. Right. Because our culture has done an incredibly horrible job in helping young men be aimless meanderers. Yeah. And, and just continues to extend down the road the point where we begin to expect them to have a path and start to move progressively down that path. And this is just incredibly unfortunate. And uh, I, I think it's a, a sad statement about Western culture in general. And, you know, so I, I look at, I've been teaching at the Bible College for 15 years now. I've had many conversations with 18, 19, 20-year-olds telling them you need to pick a name and you need to start to move in that direction and continue moving in that direction and find wise people that you can ask questions from and be, have them be your mentor and, uh, and be checking where am I in relation to that goal? Because there'll be a lot of twists and turns along the path to get there. But if you don't have an aim, you'll be meandering at 40. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I have two sons Yeah, and one of the things that I've seen that's been good in them, I've, it's a suggestion I made for them, but they, they took me up on it was seeking those guys who are in their field that are good at what they do and being mentored by them and, uh, and, and looking at them and, and, you know, nobody's perfect. So 
if you see somebody's in your field really good at what you're, they're doing, but maybe they have some other speed bumps in their life, you don't have to copy all those. You can take the, the good parts and, you know, eat the chicken and spit out, spit out the bones, so to speak. But I would say, like, even my son, who's the sport fishing boat captain, he probably had a dozen different guys that he spent time with to learn his craft and his trade beyond that and i think that's very important in all people's lives you need to to when it comes to you know earning a living so to speak and those guys invested in him and my other son the firefighter those people invested in them because they could see the aptitude also yeah so and i think that's important if other people see an aptitude in you and something there it's probably there and uh, i think yeah it's uh uh, it's a two-way street, so to speak. So I think that's really important that other people will confirm that calling I was, um, in your life. I know that when I was at that age and stage of life, mm-hmm. when Wyatt kind of decided he wanted yeah. to be a firefighter, the role models that I had in my life mm-hmm. were men mm-hmm. who were husbands, fathers, and dedicated to their, their spouse and their children, mm-hmm. and hard workers. Those were the examples that I had. Right. So... From the time that I was getting ready to graduate high school, in my mind, I was moving toward a direction that would be a husband and a father right. taking care of my family. That, that's because I had some important role models in my life. I was listening to some really interesting research that was recently done by one of the universities, and it may have been USC. And the research was on two of the lowest income areas in LA County. One was Watts, and the other one is right next to Watts. I'm trying to remember the name of it. but Compton. Not, Compton. Compton yeah. and Watts. Yeah. And they did the research on a whole bunch of the people in Compton and Watts. And the, the outlook of opportunity for people who right. grew up in Compton and Watts is pretty low. However, one of the two areas, and I don't remember which one it was. I'll have to go back and look at the research. One of them had better outcomes than the, than the other. And so they're trying to figure out why. And like significantly better outcomes. I, I bet I know what the, the common denominator the is going to be. The significant uh, difference was that one of them had more fathers in the community than the other. And... They couldn't help but look at what the research said. You're not saying the Bible's right, are you? Mm, yeah. Mm, Interesting yeah. how that works. Yeah. But that, that role model issue is so important. And as we have seen the increase in fatherless households in the United States of America, we have seen a, there, there's a correlation between the two. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll say I kind of got my act together. I don't want to say late in life, but I was one of those guys that was good at a lot of different things. And... uh I, I still remember, because I didn't want to be in the ministry. So you're saying you got your act together now? No. Oh, okay. No, just, I'm still working on it. But I got a direction now. Zamzamine. I I, I've been doing off. this longer than anything else now oh, yeah, that I've me done. Too. Yeah. Right? You know, I, I was a, a, you know, an engineer in the, in the fishing boats. I was a carpenter, all those things. I was a businessman for 11 years. I uh, had our own business. But I have to say, there's the the... Because I had people go, oh, you're really good at this, or you're really good at that. And that was a bit of a challenge. Not that I'm good at everything, but uh, I still remember teaching my very first Bible study. And I really was a very reluctant pastor, but when I taught my first Bible study as a, a, uh, uh, a kind of a youth helper, so to speak, I remember walking away from that, and I'm thinking... I think I want to do this for the rest of my life. And yeah. I had never had that moment before. Right. So I think don't discount also 
God revealing or the Holy Spirit well, revealing to you a path, but that didn't happen at 21 years old. Well, every every class I've taught uh-huh. over the last 15 years at a Bible college setting, mm-hmm. I, I always have one week where I talk about discerning the call of God. Correct. Having to do with, and I, I use this question and have used this for almost 20 years now. If you could do anything you wanted to do and nothing was standing in the way, what would you want to do? Right. And people need to define very clearly what their desire is. What is the want that you would like to do? And and I, I have found that all of us are kind of like desire factories. We just churn out wants yeah, all the time. Yeah, but yeah, there yeah. is something that we keep coming back to. And the scriptures say in the Psalms, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I have found that as you commit yourself to seek and follow Jesus, be a disciple of God, then your desires change. You experience that. Yes. I experience yeah, that. Absolutely. He gives us new desires in our heart. Uh, and, then the question is, yeah. what do you want to do? And what are you doing to move in that direction? Right. And I, I think that is one of the most valuable principles as Christians that we can learn because ultimately when our desires become like God's desires, we're, we're delighting in him and right. his desires. God it is, is not, your joy to do his yes, will. It, it is it, it all of a sudden it becomes almost effortless. Right. And God opens doors. Yes. Um, because God is not denied. God's will is accomplished. And so if God for God's will to be accomplished in our lives, it's a matter of our desires lining up with his. Because we're the squirrely ones in this. We're the, you know, I I spent eleven years as an arms dealer, an international arms dealer. And the best thing about that, I mean, I learned so much from being in that, uh, owning that little company and negotiating with people all over the world, every different race, creed, color, religion. It was a, it was a very, it was a very great experience, but I learned, I learned more about trusting and depending on God, especially for finances, but just things in our life in that period of my life than I ever did from a sermon or ministry or anything else because there's no backup plan. But I totally saw God's God's delight and desire as I started to move into ministry. I saw that, and then he affirmed that through other people. So I think it's very important. We're the, we're the loose cannon, so to speak, in the where do I do, where am I going right. to go, Lord? And so... Well, we spent a little bit of time on that one. Yeah, I think we had a take, though. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, so that makes That's up for all the other ones. All right. to talk about. Um, so, number eight. Your points on Sunday kind of make it seem like God is a heavy-handed, or is heavy-handed, we'll say. I haven't thought of God like that before. I'm not sure how to reconcile that with Jesus. I think that's interesting because many people, that's their first opinion of God is that he's heavy-handed, not the other way around. So that's an interesting question. Well, uh, like when we were kind of chatting about this beforehand, maybe we'll call this cold-blooded love. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I don't think you necessarily need to reconcile this with Jesus. Um, I had a conversation with someone recently who was all jammed up about, well, you know, Jesus is not, you know, he's not judging and he's merciful and gracious and all of that is true but it it misses the point that the last revelation of jesus is the book of revelation it's called the revelation of jesus christ and we see that there is uh, another side to that coin shall Mm -hmm. we say and there is a just and righteous wrath 
that will one day come upon all ungodliness and unrighteousness, says Romans chapter 1. And so we do see that there, you know, like I said, there's two sides to that coin. And I think that there is grace and there is mercy to the humble. And I think that there is justice and judgment for those who stand in pride and arrogance and mm-hmm. obstinance and rebellion and to God. And when you look at God as he is revealed in, you know, say, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, where his people are being obstinate and rebellious and stubborn, um, I think you see the other side to that. And I, I think any father um, seeking to be a good father will understand this entirely. I love my kids and would, you know, give practically anything for my kids. Uh, but I'm also, because I love them, going to discipline them. Absolutely. And so there are times where I may appear to an outsider pretty heavy-handed, uh, but it is done in love. And so, you know, I think that that's at least one way to think about this, that there is a rod of correction and our God knows how to use it justly and righteously in the right way, at the right time, in a measured way. Uh, but there are times where he appears to us to be heavy-handed. But I would say it's always done out of love. Yeah, and I, I think we have to remember that there's some, uh, there's just some facts out there. I mean, gravity is a fact, right? <laughs> so far. Uh, yeah, so far. Uh, I think we see, I believe it was in the Exodus where the people are being attacked by the snakes. Numbers, yeah. Numbers, okay. Yeah. And uh, some people looked up at that bronze snake on the pole uh, to be healed uh, because that that's what they were told was the prescribed thing they needed to do. And so they, they look up at that pole to be healed if they're bitten by the snake. But others... Uh, perished because they would not do it because they either thought it was ridiculous or they were disobedient and they died. Yeah. I mean, they died hard and that's a cold reality. And I think one of the things that you have brought up uh, a few times, uh, definitely in their Deuteronomy thing is there's conditional blessings, uh, promises, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot if about that. If you do this, this will happen and if you do not do this, this will happen. Yep. And um, I, I have to say, you know, raising my kids, um, you, when you tell them, if you do this, this will happen, and if they go ahead and they do that, and you don't make that happen, yeah, they are gonna not take you seriously. Absolutely. And you, you're that is a path towards destruction. Yeah, and you're responsible for it. Right. Uh, you, you are to be held accountable for it. The author of the book of Hebrews says in Hebrews 10, 28, that anyone who rejected Moses' law died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. That's pretty heavy-handed, but I would suggest to you that apart from Christ, anyone who rejects God's law will die without mercy. Yeah. Mercy and grace are found only in Jesus. And, um, you know, I think that's what the Bible teaches. Right. So, so yeah, I think we need, to, we need to have a balanced view of so many things in the scriptures, whether you're talking about man's responsibility and God's sovereignty or, or you're talking about justice, wrath versus mercy and grace. There needs to be a balance. And sometimes I think that we um, can be guilty of, in a lot of churches, of um, imbalance toward grace and mercy without also presenting the reality 
You know, one of my favorite passages in the Old Testament is Exodus 34. We're going to talk a little bit about this when we get into Deuteronomy 4. I believe it's about 30 or 31 because the author, um, Moses, references um, Exodus 34, where in Exodus 34, verse 6 and 7, God reveals himself to Moses, and he says, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, and he goes on to describe his nature. And the first things that are listed are things like mercy and forgiving and gracious and all these wonderful things. And all of that is spectacular, and I'm glad that God leads with that. But it also says, by no means clearing the guilty. Right. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the third and fourth generation. So there is a justice for sin. And, and God will ultimately justly punish sin. It, it's interesting that you brought that up because I was actually in a conversation with somebody uh, yesterday uh, who's kind of a nominal believer, um, but they... Um, uh, they had had an injustice done to them, and mm. they were having a really hard time dealing with it. And uh, he asked that I would, you know, I was asked to give him a call and talk to him. And and uh, there was a trauma, like mm, yeah. they had been victimized right. uh, in this injustice that had been done to him. And it was a, it was a pretty heavy deal. Far too many stories like that. Yeah, and uh, but I, I think it was great you know, I got to have the conversation, like, why do you feel this was an injustice? And they couldn't figure out where that came from. And to explain to them that, you know, that's a godly trait. And to be able to trace that back to God, that God is just, that's why we do not like injustice in our own lives. Right. And boy, what a great, that was a great talking point to be able to, to share Christ with them. And the freeing aspect of that sort of thing yeah. is the recognition that God says, vengeance is, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Right, and so even if you've experienced great injustice, um, you know that God will deal with it right. later on because it's not vengeance is not ours. So even though it feels so good, we think right, temporary. Yeah, I I, I did think it was interesting during the Epstein thing. Uh, he there, hung himself, right? I I don't know. Yeah, I, I there was a lot of great memes about that. Yeah, I, I like the one with the Christmas ornament. Yeah, this this, this ornament didn't, didn't hang, hang himself. I was thinking yeah, about the same yeah, one. That was crazy. But uh, <laughs> I thought it was interesting that the day afterwards. Yeah, and the whole thing is a tragedy. Everything yeah, yeah, that happened absolutely. associated with this, the just terrible situation. What happened? Uh, but there were people that were upset that he was dead because they felt like somehow he had escaped Just, justice. No, not at all. And I thought. You never get away no, with anything. No, he is going to go meet justice in the express lane. Right. And it will be a perfect justice. Yeah, where it's truly meted out. Yeah, way better than ours. Yeah. Yeah. So, glorious. Well, those last two questions were heavy questions. Heavy, dude. Man. Amazing. Ooh. Anyways, I think that number eight was the last one. Yeah. I mean... You think we can get Dog the Bunny, the the Bunny Hunter, the, bunny. <laughs> the Bounty Hunter? That would be. Would that be the greatest cartoon ever? I had a dog yeah. that was a Bunny Hunter. Dog the Bunny Hunter. There you go. Yeah, yeah. We're going after wabbits. 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 Wow. Well, this weekend is Mother's Day, so those of you who are listening, uh, don't forget that. Yeah, an important thing. I hope that uh, proper homage is paid by your truly. children. Truly, truly. Yeah. So. And on Sunday, between 2 and 4 p.m. here at Cross Connection Church, we have a gift for the moms. If you want a drive-thru, we're going to do drive-thru gift. Drive-thru, yeah. Drive-thru gift this year between 2 and 4 p.m. on Sunday, May 10th. It's going to be for cool. For the moms. 
Yes. For the moms. For the moms. So the moms are going to drive through. And we'll have a gift. Our us pastor like guys will be out there with the gifts. Pastor like. The goods. We got so it. So to speak. And so you get to see our smiling faces. Definitely. And our glorified bodies, so to speak. <laughs> oh yeah. Getting more glorified every pound every day. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we have for today. So until next time, make sure you send in your questions so that we have some more questions for the questions podcast next week. Be safe out there, people. Goodbye.